your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 331 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off of your next order. And we got a ton to do today because since the last time we talked, obviously the Rangers have played a pair of games against the New York Islanders on the road. They, of course, won on Friday and then lost yesterday on Sunday in overtime. To me, that still means the Rangers won this series. I know there was a win and a loss, but you know what? They got three points. The Islanders only got two points. And so to me, the Rangers won this two-game series. Obviously, it would have been a lot nicer, a lot sweeter if the Rangers had find a way to pull that game out in overtime yesterday, down 2 nothing early in the game. They come storming back. Really, I, I thought the Rangers played great yesterday. I, I can't really find any fault with anything that they did. Did other than maybe, uh, again, a little bit of a slow start. I wouldn't even say it was a terrible start or anything like that. I just thought the the Islanders, rather, uh, had a really good push early in that game, and the Rangers just struggled to match it. And then, of course, you never want to see your team give up a goal in the last 10 seconds of a period. That's what the Rangers did, and they go into the first intermission trailing 2 to nothing. But they obviously storm back. They get goals from Libor Hayek and Brennan Smith to get back into the game, tie the game. Obviously, Libor Hayek and Brennan Smith, the two guys that you would uh, certainly expect to score there. But yeah, you know, overall, it was a good competitive hockey game. I thought all four lines on the Rangers really played well. They really grinded hard. It was just a tough, physical, really fun-to-watch hockey game between the Rangers and Islanders. Got a little bit chippy, a little bit more chippy than it had been uh, between the Rangers and Islanders at times this season. So, you know, we're kind of just scratching the surface of that game. We'll talk a little bit about Friday's game as well, even though it's kind of old news. But I do think it'll be fun to kind of... uh you know, celebrate the Rangers' most recent victory. But again, you know, I really can't find any fault with the way that the Rangers played over these last two games. And like I said, it, they came on the short end of the stick on Sunday, but I think if the Rangers play the way that they did on Sunday the rest of the season, then I think we're definitely going to have some fun down the stretch with these last 15 games. And that's crazy in and of itself. Yes, it is true that the Rangers, I mean, I feel like the season just started. And again, I obviously... 56-game regular season, it's going to go a lot faster than an 82-game regular season, but still, I mean, we're down to just 15 games here. That really is crazy. Uh, the Rangers, they still have a shot at the playoffs. You know, I, I think it's probably down to fourth place or bust as far as the Rangers are concerned, but we'll go ahead and do a quick standings update here at the top of the show. There's a ton to get to. Like I said, we got to dig a little bit deeper with these Ranger Islander games. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about uh, both of them a little bit, and then obviously today is also trade deadline day, and like I said, right now it's the early afternoon, and uh, we have just a couple of hours to see if the Rangers are going to do anything. My assumption is they're really not going to do much. I don't see the Rangers making big-time blockbuster deals left and right here in these last few hours up to the trade deadline, but be that as it may, uh, just to check the standings really quick here, you got the top three in the East, the Capitals have 58 points, the Islanders have 58 points, and the Penguins have 56 points. Those three teams have really kind of distanced themselves from the pack because if you look at the next team down, it's the Boston Bruins. They are in fourth place. They have 48 points. Now, the Capitals, Islanders, and Penguins have all played 42 games. The Bruins have only played 39 games, so they do have those three games in hand. After the Bruins, it's the Rangers and Flyers, both tied for fifth place with 44 points. So both the Rangers and the Flyers are four points behind the Bruins, but 
They have each played 41 games, which means the Bruins have two games in hand on both the Rangers and the Flyers. I think if you're the Rangers, like I said, it comes down to fourth place or bust, and I think you don't really have to worry about the Flyers at this point. They really have not played all that great recently, and I think if the Rangers end up passing the Bruins, there's a good chance they're going to be ahead of the Flyers at that point as well. The other thing that I really like as far as the Rangers' playoff chances are concerned, well, two things, actually. First of all, you've got kind of a weak schedule or about as weak of a schedule as it's going to get all season playing in this really tough Eastern Division. Because if you look at the Rangers for the rest of this month, you've got this crazy four-game set against the New Jersey Devils coming up. And the Devils have obviously struggled this year. And they've also been trading players off of their roster left and right. So you've got a team that struggled to begin with that has seemingly become weaker uh, in these last few days here, moving a lot of their players uh, to other teams. So you got four straight games against the Devils. you got to win a bunch of those. I mean, I think you got to come away with hopefully six points, bare minimum. Bare minimum five points, I guess you could say, but you got to take advantage of uh, playing the Devils four consecutive games here. Then you have one game against the Islanders. I mean, it's Rangers-Islanders. It could go either way. Then you've got a couple of games at home against the Flyers, and the Flyers really have not played well recently. I mean, it, it must be said, and obviously their goaltending has really been rough. I think those are two games that the Rangers could win. Then you've got two games at home against the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, I don't really think anything needs to be said. You've got a team having a historically bad season that, just like the Devils, is now also trading veteran pieces to other teams. So you have a team that's been really bad that has basically just gotten worse. And then to close out the month, you've got one more home game against the New York Islanders. So there is an opportunity here for the Rangers to kind of make their move and climb the standings. And the thing that I love is they actually close the regular season with two games at the Boston Bruins. So if the Rangers go into that two-game set down by three points, down by four points, you know, in fifth place, trailing the Bruins, who presumably would still be in fourth place at that time, they'll have a shot at it at least. And that's much easier said than done, you know, going into Boston, maybe having to beat them twice, maybe even having to beat them twice in regulation, because it might be a situation where you can't let the game get into overtime and let the Bruins get any points. Uh, but at least you'll have a chance, and it'll be a lot of fun for us down the stretch if uh, those last two games against the Boston Bruins are meaningful for the New York Rangers. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, so like I said, just a couple of quick thoughts on the Rangers' 4-1 to win on Friday night against the Islanders, obviously bouncing back very nice from a tough night the evening before, losing 5-2 to at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I do like the fact that the Rangers went back to Alex Georgiev for this game against the Islanders. Uh, going into that, obviously, we saw that there was a back-to-back, and I've been very adamant that I want to see the Rangers use Igor Shesterkin as the workhorse down the stretch here. I think he is the best goalie. You can go by the eye test. You can go by the numbers. You can go by pretty much anything you like. I think Igor Shesterkin definitely gives the Rangers the best chance to win games down the stretch, but he's not going to play all of them. And when you see that there's a back-to-back and it's also a situation where the Rangers are playing four games in just six days, uh, Igor's going to need a breather here at some point. And so I think when you look at this and you see a back-to-back, you got the Penguins one night and the Islanders the next night, I think it only made sense for the Rangers to go to Alex Georgiev for the game against the Islanders, just given the fact that he basically owns them through his career. And again, on this night, he comes up with another uh, really strong performance for the Rangers. The Rangers maybe got off to a little bit of a slow start in this game, uh, but they found their game fairly quickly after that. And Alex Georgiev obviously played a big, big role, keeping the Rangers in the game early. He ends up stopping 31 of 32 shots on the night. The Rangers also get goals from Alexi Lafreniere, Colin Blackwell, Ke'Andre Miller, and then an empty netter for Mika Zibanejad. Just a really convincing win. And a game that the Rangers really needed to have. It was important to bounce back after, obviously, a tough loss the night before against the Penguins. Obviously, every single point is really critical right now, and the Rangers able to get two off of their rival, despite, once again, coming off of a tough loss the night prior. Another reason why I like the idea of starting Georgiev in that game is obviously we've got the trade deadline here today on Monday. It's coming up in just a couple of hours. Thus far, the Rangers have not done anything, but there have been some whispers that maybe Alex Georgiev is back on the trading block. He was kind of on the trading block for the Rangers uh, last season near the trade deadline, and we never know for sure uh, how much validity there is to some of these rumors, but a lot of times where there's smoke, there's fire, and so if you're hearing Alex Georgiev's name coming up in trade rumors, you got to believe it's something that the Rangers would at least consider were they to receive the Right offer. So to put Georgiev back out there against the Islanders, a team that he historically has owned, uh, you can really, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a gamble because if he goes out there and gets lit up, then that's obviously going to hurt his trade value. But the Rangers had the confidence in him to put him out there. And if they do end up moving Georgiev, which I think the odds are probably against it, them trading Georgiev at some point today, but he is coming off of a really strong performance. And in his last three games, he's only given up a total of three goals. So Alex Georgiev, who knows? You know, maybe there's a team that's willing to offer the Rangers more than you might think for Alex Georgiev. We, again, will keep our eye on everything that the Rangers do or do not do on trade deadline day here today. Even if the Rangers don't make any moves, we'll kind of talk about their philosophy of not doing so at or near the end of this episode. But getting back to the Rangers and the Islanders here. I think the kid line has really kind of stepped up over these last couple of games, and it was really nice to see them in this first game against the Islanders get sort of a blue-collar goal. A goal, you know, we know that these kids have all the talent in the world, but to see them go out there and simply just outwork their opponents, which is what they did on this first goal that the Rangers scored on Friday's game against the Islanders, that was really nice to see. There was basically just a giant scramble in front of the net. All three of them were in there, you know, Kako, Hedl, Lafreniere, they're all in there. They're all trying to stuff it in. And Lafreniere had basically played the puck along the boards to Kako. Kako passed ahead to Hedl. Uh, there was a shot. The save was made. And then again, just a wild scramble. And Lafreniere eventually able to stuff it in, give the Rangers a one to nothing lead. So nice to see them uh, get kind of a blue-collar goal there. Colin Blackwell also scored a goal in the Rangers' first game against the Islanders here. He made it 2 to nothing, And 
the reason I want to talk about Blackwell here for a second, again, first of all, he's the Rangers diamond in the rough. We've kind of established that, but he's another guy that I think every now and then these last couple of days, you've heard some whispers that maybe the Rangers would entertain offers for Colin Blackwell. And I get why, because the idea would be that you're selling high. I mean, this is somebody who coming into the season only played 33 career NHL games. He's 27 years old. And, you know, as good as Blackwell has been, that question does kind of linger like, well, is he for real? Can he really keep this up? Is he really going to be a staple of the Rangers? going forward, and we could debate that, but here's why I would kind of campaign for hanging on to Colin Blackwell, okay? So first of all, again, he's just having a great season for the Rangers. He's under contract next year, so it's not a situation where you have to force him out the door right now and get something for him while you still can, but I just get the feeling that, you know, you look around this league, if there's other teams around the league who are interested in Colin Blackwell, I get the feeling they're going to kind of have the stance that, okay, Rangers, you know, maybe we'll give you like a fourth rounder, maybe a fifth rounder for Colin Blackwell. I know he's having a good season this year, but you guys can't ask for too much for him because he hasn't really done much in his NHL career. He's only played 33 games before this. I get the feeling that GMs from other teams, that's kind of the stance that they're going to have on Colin Blackwell. And if I'm the Rangers, I'm not going to give away Colin Blackwell just to give him away. I'm not going to give him away for a fourth round pick. And then we got to wait, you know, bare minimum two or three years to even see this fourth round pick on the Rangers. And that's in a best case scenario. I mean, there's plenty of third and fourth round picks throughout history that never even get a chance to play in the NHL. They just don't make it. And so I'm not going to give Colin Blackwell away for a complete unknown. And yes, Colin Blackwell himself is a little bit of an unknown because this is the first time he's really gotten any true uh, lengthy run with an NHL team. But you know what? I'm not going to give him away just to give him away. I don't think teams are going to break the bank to acquire Blackwell. And that being the case, I'm going to hang on to him if I'm the Rangers. Maybe they found something here because Colin Blackwell has been killing it this year for this team. So, and he, he was very visible, by the way, in both of these games against the Islanders. Obviously, we just talked about the goal, but man, he just jumps off the screen. I mean, he's he's just flying all over the ice. He's, he's very noticeable. He actually got into uh, a little bit of a skirmish during a play stoppage in front of the Islander net. Strom, Panarin, and Blackwell were all involved, but basically, you know, just a lot of uh, pushing and shoveling and a lot of grappling. But then it was funny because Blackwell and Mayfield were kind of away from the officials, and Blackwell had lost his helmet, and he's almost kind of laughing at Mayfield, like I think trying to get under his skin a little bit. And then they kept like coming together and just shoving each other, and then eventually a linesman got in there. I mean, Mayfield's quite a bit bigger than Colin Blackwell, so I don't think that's a fight that we necessarily want to see. But on the by that same token, you love to see Blackwell, you know, standing up for himself, standing up for his teammates. He plays with a lot of fire. I don't want Blackwell to go anywhere, and I certainly don't want Colin Blackwell to go anywhere in exchange for a fourth-round pick. What are we going to do with that fourth-round pick? You know, the Rangers, they're a very young team as it is. They got some prospects that are on the way. I can't imagine that that's the kind of trade, if they give up Blackwell for a fourth-rounder, that we're going to look back and be like, man, what a trade that was. Thank God we sold high on Colin Blackwell. I say hang on to him. He's your diamond in the rough, and it's just fun. You know, it's just fun to see guys that you weren't really expecting that much out of overachieve a little bit. And again, he's valuable to this team. He can move up and down the lineup pretty seamlessly. Uh, he was on the second line for a lot of uh, this most recent game against the Islanders. He moves down to the fourth line to make some room for Vitaly Kravtsov on the second line. And again, just a good, solid, all-around player. It would certainly... Seem that way based on what we've seen from Colin Blackwell this season. And, you know, maybe he's somebody who just needed a chance. We'll just have to keep our eye on that going forward. But, yeah, that's my uh, two cents and my campaign to not trade Colin Blackwell this season. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
Bet Online offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Something else that I found interesting about these two games against the Islanders is that the uh, Rangers really kind of used Vitaly Krasov as a little bit of a swingman. They were moving him up, down, and all over the lineup, especially in the game on Sunday. In Sunday's game, I think Krasov played on every single line except for maybe the kid line. You know what? No, he played on the kid line too because there was a power play that the Rangers had and the second power play unit was out there in the last, you know, 40 seconds or however long it was. And then the kid line immediately took the ice once both teams were back to even strength. And it was the kid line minus Capo Caco because Caco had been out there on the second power play unit. So you had Krasov getting a shift there with Hedl and Lafreniere. They've been starting Krasov on the fourth line for pretty much all these games. The first game that he played when he made his debut, he was on the third line. But I'm pretty sure every single game since then, he has been on the fourth line to start. But they kind of move him around a little bit. You know, they give him a little bit of time with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom. I saw him out there for a shift on the top line. Uh, He was actually out there in place of Chris Kreider, Pavel Buchnevich, and Mika Zibanejad were on the ice. Now, that one might have been a partial line change, but I feel like the three of them were out there together for long enough that I don't think that was the case. I think that the three of them actually just got a shift together. So it's interesting that you know, Vitaly Krasov has kind of already emerged as the swingman, one of these guys that the Rangers will move up and down the lineup pretty freely. I think that says a lot about what they think of him, that he can handle that, that they have the confidence in him to kind of, uh, you know, shoulder a big responsibility there because, you know, I, I think overall a lot of us this season, and I like David Quinn overall, I think a lot of us, uh, the critique that we've come up with is that he does seem to be a little trigger happy with, you know, altering the line so often and constantly shuffling the deck and, you know, five, six, seven minutes into the game, he's already turning the lineup upside down. Uh, So I'd overall like to see less of that. But again, you know, you've got a little bit of a logjam right now, and I don't think it's to Krasov's benefit or the benefit of the Rangers if he's out there exclusively on the fourth line. So I kind of like this. I kind of like the way that they're giving Krasov a little bit of a run with a lot of different players, and he looks good. And in fact, he picked up his first career NHL point. He comes up with an assist in Sunday's game against the Islanders. This was the goal that actually tied the game at 2-2 in the second period. It was a goal scored by Brandon Smith. But basically what happens, you got an offensive zone draw. The Rangers win the faceoff because Zibanejad wins it back. And it's a little bit of a follow-the-bouncing puck kind of play. But Zibanejad, like we said, he won the faceoff clean back to Smith. Smith passes to Krasov. Krasov tries to make a pass, a centering pass, to Mika Zibanejad. And it sort of got broken up, but the puck falls to a nice spot in the ice for the Rangers. Brandon Smith uh, picks up the puck moving forward, just lets it fly, and it goes into the net. So that tied the game at two, and that is, again, the first NHL assist for Vitaly Krasov. And it's funny because just a couple minutes before this, he nearly got his first NHL assist, again, just a couple minutes prior. He basically, you know, went in on the forecheck. The puck is in the corner. There's a big battle for it. There's two Rangers there. There's two Islanders there. Krasov makes a great pass, you know, wins the puck battle, gets it to Pavel Buchnevich in front of the net, and Buchnevich rings it right off the post. And uh, it was just nice to see Krasov go in there, stick his nose in there, win a 50-50 puck, and set up his teammate. Uh, Just 
bad luck for the Rangers that the puck didn't go in. It went off the post. But then again, uh, just a couple minutes later, uh, they do indeed score the goal here, and Krasov picks up his first assist, and that tied the game at two. So obviously a big assist in a big spot for the Rangers there. Shifting our attention back to the trade deadline, it has come and gone without the Rangers making any moves here on deadline day, and I'm actually completely fine with this because, you know, a couple of reasons, really. For starters, it had been reported that the Rangers weren't really looking to add any rental players this year, and I completely agree with that philosophy. And what I mean by rental players is somebody who is on an expiring contract, somebody who's going to be a free agent when the season ends. Depending on where you are as a franchise and depending on where you are in the standings, it can occasionally make sense, whether you're the Rangers or anybody else, to bring in a rental, somebody that you think can help you with a potential playoff push. But, you know, the Rangers right now, they're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. And if they were going to bring in anybody today via a trade, I think you got to do it with one eye on the future. I don't think you want somebody whose contract is going to be up at the end of the season and who more than likely is going to leave in free agency because I just don't think it's worth it where the Rangers are as a franchise right now. I don't think you want to give up a prospect or a draft pick for somebody who's going to be here for only half of a season. You only want rentals if you think you have, you know, a fair to good chance of winning the Stanley Cup this season. And as much as the Rangers, you know, I like this rebuild. It's moving in the right direction. You can't be uh, getting rid of valuable assets to bring in somebody for, you know, 15 games here at the end of the regular season, and then maybe the, uh, the playoffs if you're fortunate enough to get in. So I like that the Rangers did not bring in any rentals. And really, I mean, you know, I thought about the idea of maybe bringing in a rental. We've been talking about this trade deadline a little bit, but when you think about it, like, like say, take a defenseman, for example. Let's say the Rangers brought in a defenseman that they thought made their team just moderately better, and he's on an expiring contract. Okay, so you get slightly better in the short term, but then you have to stunt somebody's growth. Like, do you really want to take somebody like Libor Hayek out of the lineup for these last 15 games of the regular season just for a very modest improvement for some player that is only going to be here for these last 15 games and in all likelihood will not re-sign with the Rangers next season? I mean... Yeah, you could make your team just slightly, moderately better down the stretch here, but you're also stunting Libor Hayek's growth. And I'm just using Hayek as an example. I mean, you could take any other forward or whatever it might be and basically do the same thing. I mean, would you really want to bring in, you know, a fourth line type and then pull somebody like Kevin Rooney out of the lineup? I don't really see the point in that either. And even Brett Howden. I mean, I know we're down on him, but to bring in somebody who is going to be a free agent after the season and pull Brett Howden out of the lineup... I mean, if there's any hope left for Brett Howden, that doesn't do him any favors either. And on top of that, you've got in-house candidates that are probably better uh, served to replace Brett Howden in the lineup than somebody you would bring in via a trade. You know, you could put Phil DiGiuseppe or Julian Gauthier out there any given night if you want to pull Brett Howden out of the lineup. So, yeah, I don't, I didn't really see the point in the Rangers bring in, you know, a uh, bottom two defenseman or a bottom six forward uh, just to play 15 games down the stretch here and potentially pull somebody out of the lineup who could be a big part of your team going forward. So I'm glad the Rangers did not do that. As far as the Rangers not trading any of their veterans away, I mean, look, there weren't really that many veterans on this team who were on expiring contracts. Really, the only one is Brennan Smith. And I think coming into today and really throughout this entire trade deadline season, if the Rangers were going to trade somebody from their current NHL roster, I think Brennan Smith probably was the most likely candidate but again, you know, what are you going to get for Brandon Smith? Are you going to move him and get like a fifth or sixth round draft pick? I mean, what does that really do for you? I don't think it really does a whole lot. Now, of course, you never know. You can always uh, strike gold late in an NHL draft. But by the time you get into like the fifth or sixth round, these are all just dart throws, man. I mean, you're just kind of, okay, here's something we like about this player. Here's something we like about that player. Let's just take a shot on him. There's plenty of fifth and sixth round draft picks that are never going to see the ice in the NHL. So I don't really see what 
trading Brandon Smith would accomplish. I mean, I suppose it would open up a spot in your blue line. Maybe there's some people who would like to see Tarmo Rayunanen get a crack with the Rangers down the stretch here, but I like the idea of keeping Brandon Smith around uh, down the stretch, and, you know, maybe he can play a role. I, I think he's played fairly well for the Rangers this season, so maybe he can help this team get into the playoffs, and you don't weaken your team at the trade deadline by trading somebody like Brennan Smith away. And, you know, I kind of liken it to what the Rangers did, or rather what they did not do, with Jesper Foss at last year's trade deadline. And I know there might be some people listening to this who would have preferred if the Rangers traded Foss because maybe they figure that, well, he's probably going to leave in free agency anyway. Uh, let's get something for him while we can. But the Rangers were kind of surging at the time, and they held on to Foss, and I think their philosophy was it's more valuable for Foss to be here and help us maybe make the playoffs than it is to trade him and get, you know, maybe like a fourth rounder or whatever it might be for Foss. That's the other thing. With Foss, you probably could have gotten more, you know, maybe like a third or fourth rounder. Whereas with Brendan Smith, I don't think you're going to do much better than like a fifth rounder. So why force it? You know, just leave him here. Let's try to push our way into the playoffs down the stretch here. And who knows, you know, maybe Brendan Smith re-signs with the Rangers after this season. There might be some people who have some reservations about that. But first of all, if Smith comes back next year, I think it's definitely going to be a one-year deal. I can't see them going uh, any longer than that. I think it'll certainly be team-friendly. He's not going to be making the amount of money that he's making now. And he's somebody that can kind of be a placeholder until you feel that like a Tarmo Rayunanen or a Igor Rykov or whoever it might be is ready to go. Uh, maybe even Braden Schneider, you know, he could be ready at some point next season. That might be pushing it a little bit, but you never know. Uh, we didn't think Ke'Andre Miller was going to be on the roster this year either, and look what's happened with him. So I'm totally fine with the Rangers not really doing anything at this trade deadline. Don't make moves just for the sake of making moves. I think that's the biggest takeaway I, I can get out of this. And let's just move forward with what we've got. Now, you could also argue that the Rangers, you know, if they were looking to bring back Brandon Smith next year on a team-friendly one-year deal, they could trade him now and then re-sign him in the offseason when he'll be a free agent. But that usually doesn't work out that way. There are a few exceptions, but usually once you trade somebody at the deadline, they tend not to re-sign with you the next season. Usually, goodbye is goodbye. I think one of the uh, more notable high-profile exceptions to that rule was actually in baseball. If you guys remember a few years ago, the Yankees traded Aroldis Chapman to the Cubs at the trade deadline and uh, Chapman actually won the World Series with the Cubs and then re-signed with the Yankees in the offseason. But that doesn't happen very often. That was the exception more than it was the rule. So, yeah, again, I'm fine with the Rangers not moving on from uh, Brennan Smith or really anybody else. Again, don't make a move just for the sake of making a move, and uh, we'll see what the Rangers can do down the stretch here. I kind of like that they kept this team together, and uh, they'll have a chance to uh, push for the playoffs in these last 15 games. As far as some other noteworthy moves over these last few days and today on deadline day, obviously the... Devils have really just been kind of unloading players. Today, they sent Dmitry Kulikov to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for a conditional fourth-round pick in 2022. And then, of course, the big one a few days ago, they sent Paul Mary and Zajac to the New York Islanders for a first and second-round pick and some prospects. It's going to take a while to get used to seeing those guys on the Islanders because, I mean, both of them, Zajac and Paul Mary, both been on the Devils forever. So that was obviously an interesting trade. And uh, the Islanders, you know, they probably brought in more than anybody else at this deadline. In addition to the big trade that we just mentioned about, they also add Braden Coburn from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a seventh-round pick in 2022. And then, of course, one of the bigger trades that happened today as far as just name value is concerned, Taylor Hall goes to the Boston Bruins along with Curtis Lazar in exchange for Anders Bjork and a second-round pick in 2021. 
I mean, it's hard to know what's going on with Taylor Hall. I realize he was kind of in a hopeless situation with the Sabres this season, but this guy's really been up and down. It's just always struck me as weird that he's now on his fifth NHL team, and he's a free agent after the year, so it could be up to six. He's not even 30 years old yet, and he's a guy that was taken, uh, obviously, number one in the NHL draft. So we'll see what happens with the Bruins. I mean, maybe they can get more out of him. Hopefully not if you're the Rangers because the Bruins, at least on paper, clearly just made their team better. And the Bruins are one of the teams that the Rangers are trying to track down. So one of the other big moves was the Colorado Avalanche acquiring Devin Dubnik. Dubnik goes to Colorado from San Jose in exchange for a defenseman, Greg Patern, and a fifth round pick in the 2021 NHL draft. So yeah, I mean, there have been more exciting uh, trade deadline days. There have been less exciting trade deadline days. I think I pretty much covered all the big ones here. Oh, here's here's one. So Nick Felino goes from the Columbus Blue Jackets to the Toronto Maple Leafs. This was a three-way trade, and the Maple Leafs get Felino, and they also get Stefan Neeson from the Sharks, and they give up a first-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 draft. Those both go to Columbus, and a fourth-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft goes to the Sharks. And that actually might end up being the most impactful trade that we saw during deadline season here because, you know, real or perceived, the perception seems to be that the Maple Leafs, it's all skill, it's no grit. Obviously, you had somebody like Nick Felino, and he can change that in a heck of a hurry. Jeff Carter also goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for conditional picks in 2022 and 2023. That makes sense to me. I had a feeling the Penguins might be uh, one of the biggest buyers just looking to try to give that core group uh, another chance to make a Stanley Cup run, but we'll see how that shakes out for the Penguins. And again, as far as the Rangers not making any moves, I'm really okay with it. I don't think there was really an obvious move to be made. There was nobody on the Rangers who you absolutely needed to trade before the deadline. There was no uh, rental player. The Rangers weren't really in the market for a rental player. And as far as Jack Eichel goes, I mean, hey, we can try again in the offseason, right? If, if anybody out there is listening to this and they really want Jack Eichel, I'm sure talks will at least pick back up in the offseason. I'm still kind of skeptical that he ends up being a New York Ranger, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it all shakes out. Obviously, his name comes up in trade rumors quite often, and I'm sure this offseason will be no different, especially now that the Sabres have basically traded uh, every veteran on their team. Obviously, Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl, the two most notable players moving on uh, at or before this trade deadline here. But that's going to pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.